Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. The George Soros is back. He's back again in the 2020 election cycle, spending a record amount of money. Um, I'm going to tell you why, uh, why he's spending a record amount of money and what he's trying to hide. Done a lot of homework on this one. Also, we had the town hall last night for Joe Biden and the inquisition for Donald Trump with the just disastrous Savannah Guthrie, who is just any reputation she thought she thought she had left is now over. Um, I got that. I've also got an update on Twitter's assault on America, free speech, freedom, along with their other big tech partners. They really killed themselves yesterday. I mean, what a disaster. Uh, today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Ladies and gentlemen, protect your online activity from prying eyeballs today. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. Well, it's Friday, so I'm it doing is well, in baby. Joe's yeah. worst 1960s game show voice. Worst. Um, we need that. Joe grounds me on the Fridays and the Mondays and all this other stuff with his rather unique intros into the show here. Good pre-show. Um, so just a little bit of bad news on a personal note all before right, I get into it. Joe already knows. So uh, okay. um, we did get a diagnosis yesterday um, from my my doctor. I know my audience, you have been amazing. We've just received an overwhelming amount of support. Um, unfortunately, it is cancer. Uh, it's lymphoma, the Hodgkin's type, but it is treatable feel like I owe you an update. We're going to leave it at there. Uh, nothing to be depressed about. There's a treatment plan. As I've always said, and I mean it, everybody's got their obstacles. This is just another one for me and Paula, but um, I do have cancer um, and that is hard for me to, to say, but um, we'll be okay. And I am optimistic. That's not some act I'm putting on for the show. Um, we'll be okay. I've got good doctors, good family, good support network, great friends, and the best audience in the business. Family. Yeah, you are my family. I'm sorry, let me make it very specific. My family, I mean, Paula and my two kids, um, you guys are just amazing and everyone else. So thank you. Um, so nothing to be depressed about. And uh, there is business to be taken care of. It's an election two weeks away. Uh, so let's get to it. Today's show brought to you by our friends at My Patriot Supply. Listen, are you ready for what's next? It's likely coming, sadly. Food shortages, power outages, grocery stores closed, and social unrest. Do you want any of that? No, we don't. But why would you not be prepared and ensure your food supply? You ensure everything in your life that matters. You ensure your health. You ensure your home. You ensure your car. You have dental insurance for your teeth. How do you not have a food insurance plan? Well, how do you ensure your food supply? You get a four-week of emergency food, uh, four-week supply of emergency food today from MyPatriotSupply.com. Starvation or dependency on the government are your only other options. You don't want those options. Avoid the pain of being unprepared. Do what I do. I have... An enormous amount of this. Got that little sucker. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Build your emergency food supply with meals that last up to 25 years in storage. Ship discreetly to your door. Folks that know what's coming are using today to prepare. Prepare now. There's still time for you to do the same. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com, the original Patriot Preparedness Company, MyPatriotSupply.com. Go today. All right, Joe, let's go. Needed that bell today. A little bit of bad news yesterday. Bell gets me in the mood for the show every single day. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let's start off with the social media wars on America, freedom, liberty, freedom of speech, the republic, you know, that kind of stuff. Stuff that kind of matters a little bit, a little bit. You can tell it's been a bad week for the hapless Democrats when they're trotting out <laughs> again. <laughs> what? Russia. The Russia, Russia did it. 
the Russian, whenever the Democrats and their media allies trot out, Marussia, Marussia, when they, the mother Russia, they start singing the Soviet national anthem. You know, it's been a disastrous week for the Democrats. Okay. We've had these two Biden bombshells. Actually, I would argue um, three that now the Biden is sold out to Russia. Biden is sold out to China and Biden is sold out to Ukraine. We've had that. We've had the disastrous hearings for the Democrats of Amy Coney Barrett, who has just lit the Democrats on fire. Um, and we have Biden who can't answer a question about court packing. So it's been a disastrous week for the Democrats. So what happens? You see this tweet for the Washington Post who rushes right into the rescue right away. Here you go with the Russian story right now at Washington Post huh. on Twitter. White House was warned. Giuliani was a target of a Russian intelligence operation to feed misinformation to Trump. Here we go, folks. Oh, here we go. As if on cue, whenever the Democrats <laughs> need a rescue operation from the, their, their media, the media like a special forces team from a foreign universe. These guys come in like from the Terminator 3 something universe. They come in with their automaton robots from like whatever that company was in in uh in the the Terminator series. What was it like Cytomex or something? I don't even know. <laughs> the company comes in and builds all these Cytodyne or Turnadyne or whatever. They come in with their uh, their robots and they they they're, it's a special operations force to clean up the negative stories for the Democrats and the special operations force comes armed heavily with Russian collusion stories. Folks, this is really sickening. On a very serious note, uh, Tucker kind of hit on this last night a bit, and it's really infuriating to me, too, that every time now a negative story emerges about the Democrats, like Biden selling the country out for his family's financial interests, that what do the Democrats do? Because they think you're stupid and their media allies do for them. I said the same thing, Democrats, media allies. This must be Russian disinformation. You know, I said yesterday, I just want to repeat this again. We, we can't, there's no future like this. You understand that, right? There is no future for our constitutional republic like this if we cannot rely on independent arbiters in the media to give us a common set of facts we agree on. Please tell me you understand that. When Russians who want to disrupt our republic, which they want to do now, they embark on strategies that do what? They embark on strategies that create internal division. The Russian strategy is exactly what the media is doing now. I'm not suggesting the media is working with Russians to do it. I'm suggesting that enemies of the United States like Russia understand we are too powerful to break up from afar. We can only be broken up from within. Right. If you were going to break us up from within, uh, Joe, tell me this, please tell me this makes sense. Mm -hmm. The best way to do it would to create to be uh, to create such chaos and confusion about what's actually going on that the nation goes to war with itself. Because everybody's telling each other a different set of lies. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, we got it. This is, the again, I'm not suggesting the media is working with the Russians. Some have, by the way. On the, I'm just suggesting that a foreign government like the Russians that doesn't like us, a nuclear power, if they wanted to destroy the United States, this would be the way to do it. To get 
supposedly independent arbiters of truth to create false narratives that get Americans to go to war with one another. We now have what looks to be evidence, strong evidence, that the former vice president of the United States, who could be the next president, Joe Biden, sold this country out and may have been on the dole of enemies of the United States, either him or members of his family. We know his son was paid off by the Russians. We know his son was paid off by the Chinese. And we know his son was paid off by the Ukrainians, who I wouldn't call enemies of the United States. The other two I would. But I would definitely say is a foreign government because they are the Ukrainians. Instead of investigating that, the media decides to engage in a ridiculous false narrative that this may be a Russian disinformation campaign instead of asking basic questions like, are these emails real? Did Hunter Biden, in fact, sell the country out to enemies of the United States, notably the Russians, by taking a payoff from the mayor of Moscow's wife and by the Chinese? And is he giving money to his father, as evidenced by these emails? Where's that investigation? Let's look at NBC. Here he goes. Fusion Kendallanian, always to the rescue, folks. You know Fusion Kendallanian and NBC? Fusion Ken is the guy, whenever someone in the intel community, a deep stater who has no interest in actual intelligence, and the person doing it probably doesn't have any intelligence either, outside of the strategic use of the term, what happens? They feed something to Fusion Ken. Here he goes yesterday to distract you from the story that Hunter Biden and the Biden family may have been bought off by enemies of the United States. (laughs) Here's Fusion Ken. Feds examining whether alleged Hunter Biden emails are linked to a foreign intel operation. Notice what that title doesn't say. Feds examining whether Hunter Biden's been blackmailed by a foreign government. Nobody's concerned about that. So someone leaked this to Fusion Ken, who has the intelligence of a shoebox, who immediately runs it at NBC <laughs> so that Americans, again, are confused about what's going on. Yeah. Not that the potential future president of the United States, God forbid, Joe Biden, could be in the back pocket of a nuclear power that power that hates us, the Chinese and the Russians, two nuclear powers. That's not the story. The story becomes how people who found the information could be the targets of a Russian disinformation operation, which is phenomenal because Fusion Ken G- uh, Delanian, Fusion Ken Delanian NBC was one of the first people to pump an actual Russian disinformation story by pumping the collusion hoax, which we know was partially at least the product of Russian disinformation. Do you understand what I'm telling you here? <laughs> think of, please think this through. Fusion Ken Delanian. One of the biggest collusion hoaxers out there, total knucklehead, shoebox IQ guy, pumped into the American bloodstream a fake story about Trump colluding with the Russians, unquestionably debunked by any sane person, pumped it into the American bloodstream, forcing Americans to go into ideological war with each other, nearly fracturing the country and resulting in a fake hoax impeachment later and a two-year-plus probe, the Mueller probe, the witch hunt of the Trump operation, when you factor in the other probes, too. He does that. That's the product of an actual Russian disinformation campaign. Now we get information that the Bidens may really be colluding with foreign powers and all kinds of shady financial deals right before an election, and Fusion Ken wants to... Now he's concerned about Russian disinformation? Now he's concerned. (sighs) 
Again, folks, you can tell it's been a bad week for the Democrats. The Coney Barrett hearings did not go well for them. These Biden bombshells are beyond bombshells. Again, these are just nuclear bombs. And of course, Biden can't give a straight answer on any question. They're worried because I'll give you some hopefully uh, good news at the end of the show today about some numbers here that are not looking good for Biden right now. So what do they do? They rush to people like Fusion Ken Delaney at NBC and get them to run stories to distract you from what's really going on. As always, Tucker, Tucker Carlson, his 8 p.m. show on Fox, did a great job. This is about a minute cut of Tucker last night summing up beautifully what the real controversy is here and what Fusion Ken from NBC and others don't want you to see. Check this out. Joe Biden still has not been forced to explain why he fired Ukraine's top prosecutor at precisely the moment his son was being paid to get him to fire Ukraine's top prosecutor. Nor has Joe Biden addressed whether or not he personally benefited from the Burisma contract. But there are tantalizing hints. Last night, former Mayor Rudy Giuliani published what he said was yet another email from Hunter Biden's laptop. It's a note to one of his children. It's sad and it's fraught and it's personal. And we're not going to quote it at length. But at the end, there's this quote. Don't worry. Unlike your grandfather, I won't make you give me half your salary. What does that mean exactly? Well, we don't know. There may be more detail in the laptop, but unfortunately, we don't have access to that. But the question remains, how has Joe Biden lived in extravagance all these years on a government salary? No one has ever answered that question. You believe this? We now have two weeks from an election, a major party presidential candidate who's leading in a lot of polls, Joe Biden, who could potentially have been bought off, him and his family, by major foreign power enemies of the United States that possess nuclear weapons and the media, which bathed themselves in Russian disinformation to promote anti-Trump stories. Their only concern is, is this Russian disinformation? And let me be clear. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't investigate the genesis of these emails, the origin, if they're authentic, if they were manipulated by foreign actors, Russian or elsewhere. We should. Right. But how is the Joe Biden family not under investigation right at this very second? I said it last night on Fox, and I'm going to repeat it again here. I said it this morning on Fox and Friends first. If Joe Biden does not exit the race and these emails are authenticated, which I'm assuming will happen shortly, if they are authenticated, Joe Biden needs to immediately exit the race. He is an active national security threat to the United States of America, both to you and your family, your neighbors, anyone else who lives in this country. He is an active national security threat. That is not hyperbole. That is a fact. A fact. If he does not step aside and God forbid is elected president, as an ongoing active national security threat. He could be blackmailed. He needs to be impeached immediately. Immediately. I'm not concerned about the politics of it. I'm concerned that this guy is an existential threat to this country. I am not kidding. Can you imagine the blackmail material they would possess on this guy? Remember, it's not what we've seen about Hunter Biden. Can't blackmail him if it's already out in public. It's what we haven't seen. What else is out there, folks? Who knows? I can tell you who knows. The Chinese know. All right, I've got a lot more ahead. I've got this Soros block I got to do. Um, also, we're just going to shred Twitter because they've just been gross. I'm going to get back to that. What a disgusting company right now. Just pathetic. All right, today's show also brought to you by our friends at Patriot Mobile. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is the best time to sign up for Patriot Mobile. We got to stop supporting companies that really have nothing in common with us at all. Leftist corporations like Verizon have empowered radicals to tear our country apart by funding their efforts. Most recently, sending 10 million to Al Sharpton and others. It started with impeachment and exploiting the pandemic, followed by violent riots. Now they're threatening violence and uh, to pack the Supreme Court as well. Patriot Mobile shares your values and won't send your hard-earned money to, to aid in the destruction of America or to fund Planned Parenthood. Get the same nationwide service and support a company that loves America, shares your values, and supports our police. Switching is easy. Easy. Keep your phone number, bring your own phone, or buy a new one. Now they have their best offer yet. Get a free month of service or a free phone plus free activation with the offer code DAN. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash DAN or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Veterans and first responders save even more. So please make the switch today. Patriotmobile.com slash Dan. That's patriotmobile.com slash Dan or call 972-PATRIOT. Call today. All right. So uh, last night, I, I don't know what that was. Uh, well, what, what, what was that? What, what was that? Was this supposed to be a town hall, the NBC Savannah Guthrie event? I mean, that was an inquisition. I, I Listen, I was in law enforcement for 15 years. I was gentler on... You know, really bad, bad guys than Savannah Guthrie was on Donald Trump because you actually want to get an answer out of him. Yeah. It doesn't do you. Listen, a lot of that stuff you see in the movies, like in Batman movies, where they're like, one, it'd be illegal, but they're cracking the bad guy's head off the answer. The yeah, it doesn't happen in the real world. Then you'd be arrested. You don't have to assault the bad guys. But I'm not kidding. Like, there is a way to elicit a response from people, and the way to do it is not to badger them to death and interrupt them right as they get a, uh, a head of steam going. Now, you may be saying to yourself, I know a lot of you are, which is smart. Well, Dan, Trump interrupted Biden a lot. Yeah, he did. Biden interrupted Trump a lot, too, during the debate, but that's different. That's a candidate interrupting his opponent in an effort to fluster him. That's a strategy. You don't have to agree with it, but it's a strategy. To flush, that's what they wanted to do, to fluster Biden. Again, I'm not suggesting, well, see on election day, did it work or didn't, who knows? The moderator of a town hall is not supposed to have a strategy. The moderator is supposed to ask questions and get answers. Am, am I crazy? Because I'm, I, I can see, I'm trying, I always, when I say things, I try to think how you all respond. That's not the goal of the moderator. The moderator, Savannah Guthrie, in the disastrous town hall last night for her, not for Trump, is supposed to elicit answers so the American people can see where the president stands and make an appropriately informed, informed decision. That it, Her job isn't to be a counterpuncher. Now, contrast that last night with the Biden town hall on ABC, which was really the equivalent of romper room um, well, it was, I mean, what an embarrassing joke. They, they weren't even softball questions. They were like pillow. Que I mean, lay me down on a down feather pillow there. I mean, give me a break. What was the guy going to get a massage afterwards? Someone going to give him a cigarette and a smoking jacket. The Biden, it was a total, what a disaster. The, the guy went on five 10-minute answers from Stephanopoulos. No one interrupted him ever. It's just, it's embarrassing. Again, it shows you again why the media, the same people now, this is why I did the show in this order, injecting back into the national discourse the Russia nonsense, right as Biden, the heat goes on on Biden, because that's what they do. They're disinformation specialists in the media. This is what they do here. So a couple, I don't want to go crazy with this because you're going to hear a lot of this today on the news. But here's a couple of cuts. Here's Biden last night, again, given a softball question on policing, 
Um, I have to rate this one of the dumbest answers in the history of presidential politics. Joe Biden asked about police use of force. Just listen to this. this, this, I mean, this is like, if there were imbecile levels and like DEFCON levels, and DEFCON 1's the worst. People get that backwards. DEFCON 1's the worst. This is like imbecile level one right here. Check this out. We can do this. You can ban chokeholds. You can, but but beyond that, you have to, Teach people how to de-escalate circumstances, de-escalate. So instead of anybody coming at you and the first thing you do is shoot to kill, you shoot them in the leg. There's ways you have to do more background checks in terms of whether or not the person coming in passes certain psychological tests. I knew that was going to get you. I knew that was going to get you. <laughs> you watched it as it happened? You knew that was coming over as a cut this morning? I knew it was going to get you. How could... Uh, yeah. Folks... No, no, there's a couple things in. I mean, obviously you're all cringing at the horror that a, a presidential candidate actually said that. I, I understand that, but I'm trying to be serious about it because you can laugh and we can and we should because yeah. Biden is laughable. He's a clown. Um, and he's a con man and he's a corruptocrat and he's also a national security risk right now. But he's also an imbecile a lot. Um. <laughs> but I mean, really, once in a while he gives a semi-intelligible answer. Uh, this was not it. So. He's talking about de-escalation, and then he follows de-escalation. De-escalating, folks, for the liberals listening, that means the opposite of escalating. That means, in other words, bringing down the temperature on an interaction if you're a police officer with someone in the public you're interacting with. De-escalating, taking it down, right? So <laughs> It's not funny. It's so stupid. But he mentions de-escalation, and he follows up with, well, shoot him in the leg. So I'm trying to envision a scenario here. You're... um. Let's say you're issuing a parking ticket. I used to work in the 7-5 precinct as a police officer in East New York. Guy comes running out. He's, you know, really upset, which is understandable. That's why I never wrote parking tickets. Oh, I think I wrote like five of them my entire time there. And it was only for egregious stuff. I'm serious. I hated it. I hated it. I didn't even care. They gave me the informal quote. I'm like, I ain't doing that. Sorry. Guy comes running out, screaming, I wasn't double parked. I was ever too many. And he looks like he's going to kick your caboose in, right? Kick the wazoo. He still don't know where the wazoo is, but I don't want to get kicked there. So he comes running out and you want to de-escalate it. So you're like, here are your options, Joe. Option A for the same people. Sir, sir, I hear you. I appreciate what you're saying. Uh, very sorry, but you were double parked. There's a way to fight the ticket. Here's how you do it. The instructions are on the back. Now, Joe, you weren't a police officer, well, but Joe's a pretty smart guy. That'd be pretty good de-escalation, right? Do you think, think that the would be? Yeah. You think? Yeah, yeah, it's smooth. Could yeah. work. Calm, I mean, he yeah. may be really upset. Maybe it doesn't work, right. but it's worth a shot. Right. Sir, I'm really sorry. It's not personal. This is how, you know, we have to enforce the law. People complain. Cars couldn't get around you. Joe Biden's worth You whip out your, your Glock or whatever, and you're like, sir, I'm, show me a leg. Give me a leg immediately, show sir. Right or left? Right or, he's left. Shoot him in a left. Put your leg out. <laughs> There you go. Hit him in the vastus medialis right there. Are you de-escalated now, sir? You may say, oh, come on. You're you're taking this to, you know, an an unnatural level. It's being a bit hyper. But is it really? He's talking about de-escalation. And the next thought that comes to his mind is we should shoot people in the leg. (laughs) Sir, is that an open beverage in public? Give me a leg, sir. Give me a right or a left. If you're right, give me that left leg. Well, maybe in the calf. Give me the calf. Hold on. What, what is he talking about? De-escalate people by shooting them in the leg? Let's assume for a minute he had a coherent thought. 
he didn't. But let's assume he did. And what he meant to say is in deadly use of force scenarios, there are other, there's no de-escalating a deadly use of force scenario. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? When the decision is made to use deadly force, there's no de-escalating. There is stopping what's happening. In other words, if you, does this make sense? I mean, I'm, I know I'm trying, if I'm beating this to death, please forgive me. But I want you to understand that this guy's running to be the president of the United States. He's going to supervise the Department of Justice. And he can't even logically think through basic things like use of force scenarios. When a firearm or a knife at close range is pulled on you, and you perceive that the result of an attack will be serious physical injury or death to you or someone else, and you've decided to employ deadly force, a firearm, you're not de-escalating. Your effort there is to stop what's happening. There is a difference. The terminology matters. Because if you don't stop it, you will be dead or seriously physically injured. Biden doesn't understand the difference. He's using, he does understand it, folks, by the way, even though he's not that bright. He's using these terms because these are leftist buzz terms that he knows caters to the radical left. Do you understand why he did that? We have to de-escalate. Therefore, we think about shooting him in the leg. That's not what deadly use of force is about. Firearms by police are employed on general use of force guidelines only to stop an incident that could result in death or serious physical injury to others. It's not about de-escalation at that point. It's about stopping it before someone dies. Now, why do we not shoot people in the leg intentionally? Because ladies and gentlemen, if you're engaged in a deadly use of force incident with your firearm as a police officer, you shoot to stop. Nobody is trained to shoot to kill outside of limited scenarios. A suicide bomber, where you may, say a suicide bomber in a ballistic vest, you may have to aim for the head. These There are very limited scenarios where you'd be trained to shoot to kill. Folks, listen, I know I taught this stuff. You are trained to stop. You're not trained to kill the subject. And the most tactically efficient, it's not nice, it's not cute. I'm not trying to undersell any of this. The most tactically efficient way to do that is to fire your weapon, God forbid you had to, into an area you're likely to hit, which is what? The center mass of the body, which is the biggest and is the most stable. The reason you don't shoot, to, uh, we don't train people to shoot people in the legs is because it's really hard to do, which would make it really hard to stop someone engaging in an incident that could result in your death or the death of another. Does that make sense? Of course it does if you're sane, but not to Joe Biden, who doesn't have any clue what he's talking about. We don't shoot or train to shoot people in the legs because it's not going to stop what that person's doing to warrant a deadly force response from the police officer. That's why, Joe, I'm telling you, if Armacost last night knew I was going to give that clip to him, believe me, every police officer in America, every police officer, law enforcement agent, corrections officer, trained pilot with some pilots have firearms. Trained security guard who's been trained with a firearm watched that clip last night and went, yeah. oh my God. 
they gave the Ryan Reynolds Giphy on Twitter where he's like, oh, you know, the and you use mm-hmm. Giphy on Twitter. You know exactly what I'm talking about. What? Of course, Biden always advertising his ignorance. Let's go to just quickly here. Video number two, the lowlights of Biden's softball session. George Stephanopoulos knew he had to ask this question. No questions, by the way, about the Biden crime family at all. None. Why would we ask that? I mean, you know, the guy could be a national security risk to the United States of America, whose family could have been bribed off by foreign governments who are nuclear powers. Let's not ask him about that. But George Stephanopoulos knew he had to ask him a question about packing the Supreme Court. And Biden still won't give a realistic answer. Check this out. Looks like they're going to have a vote around Halloween. So if they vote on it before the election, if they vote on it before the election, you are open to expanding the court? I'm open to considering what happens from that point. Biden still won't give you an answer about destroying an entire branch of government by adding seats to the Supreme Court, which would be promptly followed up by the Republicans, then followed up again by the Democrats. You'd have 1,167 members of the Supreme Court, which would render the entire branch of government feckless and useless. What'll be next, by the way, after they pack the Supreme Court, they'll pack the appeals courts. Ladies and gentlemen, it'll be a total disaster. Biden won't answer the question. You'll get my answer after I decide what happens with Amy Coney Barrett or I see what, what what does that have to do with anything? All right. That was the only even moderately difficult question given to Biden last night. Now turn around on Trump, Trump who went through the inquisition with uh, Savannah Guthrie, who who, uh, (laughs) she, she thought she was like Barney Miller or something yesterday trying to interrogate the president. So uh, the president, I think handily just, embarrassed her last night. She looked terrible. I don't know how she thought this in any way made her look good. She looked ridiculous. But she was given a question. Uh, she tried to, you know, trap Trump in a corner on his response to COVID, which I think is, you know, obviously there are always going to be mistakes, but I think he did a darn good job. And I know because I was there from the beginning and was privy to some very specific briefings about just how seriously the president took COVID right away. But notice how, again, Savannah Guthrie, uh, who no one asked Joe Biden about his COVID response, which was the travel ban is xenophobic. No one asked him about that stuff, about how he implied it was xenophobic. Nobody. But here's Savannah Guthrie trying to hammer Trump on it and Trump firing right back with the statistics. He had handy and ready to go. He did a really good job. He prepped really well for this. Check this out. Look at what's going on in Europe. Massive spikes. They've done a very good job. But now you take a look today at the UK. You take a look at Spain and France and Italy. There's tremendous spikes. But our death rate is worse then, well, not Spain, but those well, other I have, countries. I have things right here that will tell you exactly the opposite. Me too. So the UK is up 2,500% because I knew you'd be doing this. I know you very well. The UK is up 2,500%. The EU is up 722%. And the United States is down 21%. Nice. A little bit of homework goes a long way there. He did some real damage to their narrative. By the way, the reason the death rate in the United States is running pretty much in the middle of the pack, it doesn't lead the world by any stretch, but the reason it is, and that shouldn't be ignored under any circumstances, I don't care who the president is, very serious disease. We now know, Paul and I, two people who passed tragically. Two. But the reason... We have such an elevated death rate, and we shouldn't from a, for, a, for a country of our economic and healthcare power and prowess, is because the Democratic governor of New York, which by far, by far for a long time led the country in deaths, decided it would be a good idea to put patients infected with this deadly virus 
back into nursing homes where the most vulnerable were, and we had a near massacre in nursing homes as a result. Notice how she leaves that out. Notice how she leaves that out, Savannah Guthrie. And by the way, tragically, this isn't about the political win. These are human lives. These are human beings we're talking about. It's about a political win for them, not for us on this show. Sadly, the rates of infection and death in Europe are now going up dramatically, as the president pointed out, while the United States is stabilizing thanks to a warp speed-like effort to get both a vaccine and therapeutics like monoclonal antibodies and remdesivir. But again, Savannah Guthrie doesn't want to bring that up because she's looking to score cheap points on top of people's gravestones. It's disgusting. Here's another low light for Savannah Guthrie, but another high point for President Trump, who understandably is getting tired about these denunciation questions when none of those questions are posed to Biden. Biden, who literally, folks, not figuratively, spoke in an exalted fashion. I mean, spoke about, I mean, with such reverence for an exalted, that's why I use that term, exalted cyclops of the Ku Klux Klan, Robert Byrd. Biden spoke at his funeral. Biden's never asked about denouncing anyone. Trump every day is asked for the 10,000th time to denounce white supremacists, which he's done on tape repeatedly. Savannah Guthrie apparently missed that. And Trump smartly turns it back on her. Where are the denunciations about Antifa? In other words, for these leftists who coddle these violent losers. Check this out. Why aren't you asking me about Antifa? Why aren't you asking me about the radical left? Why aren't you asking Joe Biden questions about why doesn't he condemn Antifa? Why does he say it doesn't exist? Because you're here Antifa, me. no, excuse <laughs> so cute. Antifa exists. They're vicious, they're violent, they kill people, and they're burning down our cities. And they happen to be radical left. Nice. Ladies and gentlemen, I told you this a long time ago. If you ever run for office, it's a skill I learned during my three campaigns. You never answer the question they're giving you because it's not a question. The media doesn't ask questions. The media is not a real fact-finding enterprise. What the media is doing is they're looking to get you to make statements that fit their narrative. It's the, you know, this whole standard. When did you stop beating your wife? Beat my, what are you talking about? I don't beat my wife. Headline, Dan Bongino doesn't beat his wife, which makes people say what? Who said Dan Bongino beat his wife? And that's in their heads because you can avoid an assertion. You can never avoid a question, right? This is what they do. So what I always suggest you do if you decide to run for office is don't ask their, don't answer their dumb questions because they're not questions. Savannah Guthrie does not want President Trump to denounce white, denounce white supremacy, excuse me, for the 65,000th time. She can play the video of him doing it over and over. She wants him, again, to, to, to answer, President Trump hesitates on denouncing white supremacy. That's their narrative. And they just want him to take one breath so they can say that, even though he's done it repeatedly. So what does he do? He smartly turns around the question and asks her, why isn't Joe Biden denouncing Antifa? Good for him. Well done. Finally, my last piece is I got a lot more to get to. I don't want to miss this Soros segment. A <laughs> little bit of good news. Ladies and gentlemen, was a hero at the debate last night. It's the hero we all needed today, especially me. <laughs> if, if you watched it, you know what I'm talking about. You know Nodding Lady? Nodding Woman? Yeah. Her name is, I found her name. It was in the Miami Herald this morning. It's Mar- Mara Jolie. Mary Jolie is the hero we all needed today. She was sitting behind President Trump off, I think, his left shoulder. I'll play this in a second. Uh, you got to watch the video, rumble.com slash Bongino. Check this out if you missed it last night. There's a woman in the background, a uh, black female, Mary Jolie. Um, 
She's sitting there the whole time and like giving Trump like nods of approval and thumbs up. She was the star of the show last night. Here's Mara Jolie, forgive me if I'm saying your name wrong, the hero we all needed today. Check this out. Look over his left shoulder. 30 seconds, what would you say to them? Because they've done a great job. We have the strongest economy in the world. We closed it up. We are coming around the corner. The vaccines are coming out soon. And our economy is strong. We are at a level with jobs like we've never been before. We've rebuilt our military. We've rebuilt our borders. We had no borders. We had no nothing. Of course, you can expect stories today. The media will dox her, show up at her house. We'll find out in third grade. Um, you know, in third grade, she drew a picture one time and the picture had a knife in it. Therefore, she could be a potential serial murderer. I mean, we'll see all these stories come out today because that's what the media does. They don't care about anything Trump said. They, and by the way, some producer for NBC got fired last night. I'm almost positive because they they let God forbid a Trump supporter in the room. Someone's like, who vetted this woman? <laughs> who vetted? They want documents now. Who We want email trails. They're going to a hundred percent me being in the media business. Somebody's in trouble today for allowing an actual Trump supporter into a Trump town hall. I'm not kidding. That actually, I'm a hundred percent. Somebody's in trouble today. All right. Um, let me get to my Twitter block here. Uh, but before we do that, let me get to my third sponsor. This Twitter block's important, ladies and gentlemen. What Twitter is doing is destroying and decimating the public square right before an election. They are interfering in an election. They are interfering in our democracy and they deserve to be treated as such right now. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Helix. Ladies and gentlemen, Helix Sleep makes personalized mattresses made right here in America and shipped straight to your door with free no-contact delivery, free returns, and a 100-night sleep trial. Why do I use Helix? Folks, I use Helix because it's the best damn mattress I've ever slept on. Can I, be a, is that, can I make it any simpler for you? And they come at a really amazing price, too. You're probably overpaying for a worse mattress. Don't do that. What makes Helix different? Well, here's what they do. To choose a mattress first, Helix has a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete, and it matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you, not for someone else. If you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, you like to sleep on your side, your back, your stomach, or you sleep really hot with Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. Not a generic mattress for everyone. Why would you buy that? I took the quiz. I have a Midnight Lux mattress, and we absolutely love it. I wanted something a little firm. I sleep on my side. You know, I got a problem with my shoulder. I love Helix. My daughter has one, too. We had a friend over one time. We let him sleep in my uh, daughter's bedroom. My daughter was gone. He's like, that was a great mattress. Not kidding. I told him it's a Helix. Don't take my word for it, though. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ, Wired Magazine, and Apartment Therapy. Just go to Helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash Dan. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Dan. Get up to $200 off your mattress order. Helix also offers, check this out, exclusive discounts for our military, first responders, teachers, and students. Check out their website for more details. Helixsleep.com slash Dan. Go today. All right, getting back to our content, especially the war on America, freedom and liberty by Twitter, Facebook, Google. By the way, a story that got lost in the Twitter censorship operation and the pro-Biden basically super PAC known as Twitter at this point. Do you know YouTube was purging a bunch of conservative accounts and a bunch of other accounts associated with non-liberal movements as well? No. I'm just warning. All that's getting lost, folks. That's why Rumble, by the way, our 
alternative to YouTube, which as you well know, I have a financial interest in full disclosure there. We were rocketing up the news and video app store chart as well because people are tired of it. I'm sorry. People are just tired of it. But Twitter are a bunch of frauds. Twitter's saying now that the story I just told you about, about Hunter Biden's potential payoffs from the Chinese government, the Russian government, well, the Russian payoffs we know about from the Moscow mayor, Ukrainian payoffs that allegedly could be split with dad or pop, as he refers to him. Twitter's saying, no, we blocked that story, literally blocked it, where you couldn't click on the link in the New York Post because uh, it was, quote, unreliable and it had lack of authoritative reporting. Ladies and gentlemen, Twitter is an embarrassment. They are a disgrace. They are actively interfering in an election, acting as a super PAC for Joe Biden. Now, so Rabbi uh, Amari has a great piece in the New York Post. Please check it out. The show notes today are invaluable. Bongino.com slash newsletter. The newsletter is the show notes. Please read this article there. If unreliable, as Twitter says, right? If that's the issue with the New York Post story, why did social media never block anti-Trump stories that were, quote, unreliable? So just to be crystal clear here, because I know liberals will listen, they have a tough time with logic and putting two and two together and making four. Twitter, which is their, you know, they love, they worship Twitter like the golden calf. They got to like, a, they have to like hum like a hum. Remember Indiana Jones when they're, they're excavating the ark and they're all singing that song in a the desert? They, that's what they do is they're sitting down on a knee, genuflecting and worshiping their gods at Twitter. If that's the standard, I'm just asking you to exhibit your principles. If Twitter's standard for not running the Hunter Biden expose about being bought off by foreign enemies wasn't run because it was unreliable and didn't have a lack of and had a lack of authoritative reporting, then what about these stories? Let's go to screenshot one from Sorab Amari's piece. Oh, remember this one? Remember when four CNN reporters, four, claimed in June of 2017 that Jim Comey was going to dispute in congressional te uh, testimony Trump's claim that the FBI director had reassured the president he wasn't under investigation? I remember that well. Well, Comey did no such thing. But did Twitter and Facebook censor the story? Nope. That story wasn't only unreliable, it was fake. And four CNN morons swore to it. Where was the where was the censoring of, where was the censoring of that story by Twitter? Nowhere, because it was meant to damage Donald Trump. So please stop the nonsense. You may say, "Well, Dan, that's pretty bad," but assuredly it can't be worse. Oh no, no, it's worse. Let's go to screenshot number two. Remember this one. Remember when the Guardian, the newspaper, concocted a story a story seemingly out of thin air about Trump campaign chief Paul Manafort and WikiLeaks' Julian Assange meeting at Ecuador's embassy in London. Oh, I covered mm -hmm. that one. Remember that, Joe? Yeah, man. We covered that on the show. Yep. Uh, what was the problem with the meeting? The problem is there was no meeting. As the special counsel, Bob Mueller's report confirmed. What did Facebook or Twitter do? They blocked that story? Nope. Nope. You can still post that story on either platform. Today. You can still post both of these stories from CNN. Comey's going to destroy Trump in this congressional hearing. Manafort met with Assange at the Ecuadorian embassy. They're both fake. You can still go to Twitter now and post those stories. Ladies and gentlemen, they're not unreliable. They've been thoroughly eviscerated and discredited. You can still post them on Twitter today. I, I thought you weren't allowed to post unreliable stories. No, 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 no. You were only allowed to post unreliable stories that are reliable but hurt Joe Biden. 
Those you're not allowed to post. By the way, one quick correction. Yesterday during the show, I said a couple of times I was attacking the New York Times and I used the New York Post. Yeah, I got a ton of email. Thank you. I'm really sure I wasn't, the New York Post did a great job. I, I, it was a long show yesterday. So my, and my apologies to the New York Post. I'm trying to celebrate what the New York Post did not attack them yesterday. And uh, I, I interchanged them for the New York Times, which is sleazy pretty much uh, all the time. Let's go to the third screenshot from the piece. Again, we're talking about reliable stories here. Remember when the Atlantic posted a several thousand word story suggesting that Senator Jeff Sessions had lied when he said he didn't meet the Russian ambassador as a Team Trump surrogate, but as a routine matter? Remember that story? Oh, I do. Well, the Mueller report debunked the Atlantic decisively with its finding that the meeting in question didn't, quote, include any more than a passing mention of the presidential campaign. So is the Atlantic story blocked as misinformation? Nope. No way. Still up there. You can post it today on Twitter. I'm trying to think. Sometimes I have to like multitask in here. What was the humming sound they're making in Raiders of the Lost Ark when they're excavating the Ark? Do you remember? Do you remember how it goes? No. How, how, how? That was it. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's like in a different language or whatever. Uh, I'm just, that's what the liberals do when they sit around their Twitter golden calf and they genuflect and worship Jack Dorsey at Twitter with his nose. That's what they do. You have to chant. It sounds more official. The whole exercise, right, Joe? You have to get, there's got to be a chant. It sounds so official and deep, right? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you remember that. Man. What is this? Jeez. I'm adored. I'm telling you as I'm going through this, I'm like, what was the, the song they're chanting in Raiders? That was it. Now when you watch it, you'll think of this show forever. But you have to chant as you're worshiping Twitter if you're a liberal. Again, it makes it sound so much more sincere. <laughs> All right, last one. Last one. I so again, Twitter's new standard for posting stories or blocking stories, I should say, is that they're unreliable. Um, although I just told you about three, not only unreliable, but thoroughly discredited stories you can post right now on Twitter because they make Trump look bad, even though they're lies. Remember this one? We covered this one extensively. Michael Cohen in Prague. What about when McClatchy wrote about Trump attorney Cohen with a secret trip to Prague to meet with oh. his Kremlin handlers? <laughs> well, the Mueller report found that, quote, Cohen never traveled to Prague. <laughs> so, of course, Joe, the McClatchy report must be blocked, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, you it's think. unreliable. Uh -huh. And of course, there's a lack of authoritative reporting because it's false. Oh, of course it is. And you can post that story today. You can also post the Steele dossier with the PP stuff. Yeah. Because Twitter loves PP stuff as long as it makes Donald Trump look bad. <laughs> you have to chant while you're posting anti-Trump stories, too, in a communal worship episode with all your fellow liberal lunatics. All right. Let me get to this. Uh, sorry, folks. I keep... Uh, I'm just, it's been a long couple of days and I need to, this is my, this is such therapy for me. You have no idea. It really is. I'll be okay. I'm an eternal optimist. Life is good. You blessed me, but the show really does more for me than you know, because everything that's bothering me, I get to share with you. And I feel like when it's bothering all of us, it'll motivate action to change it. Let me get to my last sponsor. And then I want to talk about this George Soros story, which is going to bake your bagels to say the least it's gonna blow your mind 
All right, today's show also brought to you by our friends, my favorites, Tommy John. I have been wearing Tommy John underwear forever. I have the Tommy Johns from years ago. I love Tommy Johns. They are the best, most comfortable underwear out there, especially for me if you live an active life. Push yourself to the edge. Go beyond. Seek discomfort. No pain, no gain. All true. Just not in your pants. Let's get real. Like real comfortable in Tommy John underwear. From working hard to playing hard, when you start every morning in Tommy John underwear, you're much more comfortable so you can do everything better. I love them. Uh-huh. That's why Tommy John underwear doesn't have customers. They have converts like me. Because with dozens of comfort innovations, once you've tried Tommy John, you'll never go back. Here's the problem with Tommy John, if I may improv for a minute here. When you buy your first pack of Tommy Johns, you're going to love them so much, they're going to go to the top of your underwear drawer all the time, and you're never going to wear the other underwear in the drawer other than Tommy John. True. It's a fact. Luckily, I've added to my collection now that it's not a problem, and I have eliminated all other inferior underwear brands. They are breathable, lightweight, moisture-wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. It moves with you, not against you. Tommy John underwear comes with a non-rolling waistband for the perfect fit. The legs never ride up, and you're covered with their no wedgie guarantee. Guarantee. Tommy John Underwear is listed on GQ's latest 10 Essentials with Kevin Hart. They have over 96% four-star plus reviews, over 12 million pairs sold. But try them for yourself because you're going to love them. Feel so good, so free, so barely there. It's like going commando style, but with no risk. You don't want that risk. And their best pair you'll ever wear guarantee. Means there's no risk for you. Try Tommy John. If you don't love them, they're free. Get that much more comfortable at tommyjohn.com slash Dan. Go today. I promise you're going to love these. tommyjohn.com slash Dan. The style's great too. Just always good for date night, which we got to bring back soon. tommyjohn.com slash Dan. Save 15% on your first order. Save 15% right now at tommyjohn.com slash Dan. Don't wait. tommyjohn.com slash Dan. All right. Without further ado, um, I've been teasing this Soros story because it's important. So I saw a story at the Free Beacon I'll get to in a moment. Uh, from yesterday, where George Soros, again, liberal, very wealthy liberal uh, activist at heart, where George Soros is pumping a bunch of money into the 2020 election cycle. Got to add up still. Now, the question you should always be asking when you see big money, candidly, folks on either side, it's not just a specific attack on Soros who's a liberal. You should always ask the question, if you're interested in honest and transparent government, why would anybody on either side spend a lot of money to buy off a politician? Fair question, right? To buy off political races. What's their agenda? I'm not suggesting that should be squelched. Money, in my opinion, in, in, uh, in, in, in politics is a form of speech. If that money buys ads, you're allowed to speak like anyone else. But I think transparency is generally a good thing, as long as it's not used to attack other people. I mean, attack like against the law, political attacks, obviously a fair game. So what's Soros's agenda? Why is he spending so much money all the time? And why is he resurfacing in this 2020 election with a record spend to try to keep Donald Trump and others out of office? Ladies and gentlemen, Soros is hiding something. It's the last time I'm going to mention it for a while because I don't like to beat you over the head with it. But my new book is out, Follow the Money. Here's one of my copies here. And chapter one of the book, which you'll see right here is called, you probably can't read that, Insane in Ukraine. Chapters about what George Soros was trying to hide in the 2016 election. 
to try to get Donald Trump out of office then and why he's terrified that Donald Trump might get reelected. It's all lined out in the book in detail, but I want to give you a little hint about what's in the book in the first chapter. You need to read this before you vote so you understand why all this liberal money is being flushed into the United States to keep Donald Trump from winning. George Soros, ladies and gentlemen, was heavily involved in the Ukraine mess. Ukraine, the same country where Hunter Biden was hired for a lucrative position to influence his father, at the time Vice President Biden, who was the point man in Ukraine. There was a lot of Soros money and influence being floated around in Ukraine. The fake whistleblower who initiated the impeachment hoax, I'm going to say this plainly, worked with Biden in the past, knew exactly what the Trump administration was going to find in Ukraine, influence peddling with the State Department, money changing hands, corruption. They had to make Donald Trump go away. So when Donald Trump called the new Ukrainian president, remember the call that became the subject of the impeachment hoax? Yeah. And started inquiring about corruption in Ukraine that we must look into. The Biden camp panicked. They used their whistleblower. It's all laid out in the book, ladies and gentlemen. Follow the money. It's the title of the book. The whistleblower knew what they had to do. The fake whistleblower and his army of people behind him knew to contact Adam Schiff immediately, and they panicked, and they had to get Trump out of office because they knew Trump was onto the scam. What was the scam in Ukraine? Well, for that, I have to go back to John Solomon, who's cited pretty extensively in my book. And I have to go back to this old piece he wrote at the Hill. What were they hiding in Ukraine? That when Trump got wind of it, they panicked and tried to impeach him over it through a fake whistleblower. And how does that relate to George Soros and his big money spends now? The Hill, George Soros' secret 2016 access to state, talking about the State Department, exposes big money hypocrisy of Democrats. I thought the Democrats were... We're really concerned about money in politics. Or as Sheldon Whitehouse says, a dark money, Democrat senator disaster, as you saw in the Amy Coney Barrett, dark money in politics. Ladies and gentlemen, George Soros was using our State Department staff in Ukraine to gain influence and leverage over his business rivals. Oh, yeah. And our Department of State under Barack Obama dutifully responded. Wait, wait, wait. Liberal mega donors can buy influence in our State Department to gain leverage over their business rivals in foreign countries? Oh, 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 yes, they can. Let's look at John Solomon's piece at the Hill. This is fascinating. There's a whole chapter in the book on this. Spent a lot of time on this. The footnotes are extensive, by the way. It's about 20 pages of them. John Solomon, The Hill. By the way, this article will be in the show notes today. Read it. It's an older article, but it's worth your time. For example, one Department of Justice investigation in 2014 targeted a Ukrainian oligarch by the name of Dmitry Firtash. Oh! Firtash and Soros both have significant energy interests in Europe and rival plans to build uh, to rebuild Ukraine. After Firtash's indictment, by our Justice Department, Soros's business announced plans. Wow, that's convenient to invest a billion dollars in Ukraine. Wow, business rival gets taken out. All of a sudden, Soros shows up with a whole boatload of dough. 
Since then, significant problems have arisen with the DOJ's case against Firtash, that's Soros' business rival, thwarting efforts to extradite Firtash to the U.S. for trial. You know where Firtash conveniently shows up as well? In Glenn Simpson, the owner of Fusion GPS or co-owner, in his 2007 Wall Street Journal piece where he has an unusual interest in Dmitry Firtash, who is George Soros' business rival. Does Soros have a relationship with Glenn Simpson? Why are they so interested in Firtash? Soros basically buying influence with the Justice Department in the United States and the State Department, not because he cares about the benefit of our country, but because he cares about taking out a business rival because he has a billion-dollar investment in Ukraine? Kind of weird, no? I thought the Democrats cared about the influence of big money in politics. You're not remotely interested why George Soros poured huge dollars into the 2016 election and the 2020 election to combat a president interested in corruption in Ukraine while he was donating to people who were targeting his business rivals in Ukraine? Not interested in that at all? Not even a little bit? Dad. Well, Trump knew what was going on in Ukraine. So did a lot of Trump's people. So those people who wanted to cover up George Soros's influence peddling operation in Ukraine to target business rivals. Those people had to be taken out because Soros and his operators there in Ukraine, they didn't want to be uncovered. So what happened? Let's look at this second screenshot from John Solomon's piece. Well, you had people who knew, and listen, I'm not defending Manafort or Firtash. Let me be crystal clear. I'm simply suggesting I find it awfully odd Soros donates a lot of money to liberals who run a government that then go and target his business rivals. And then, in fact, they target people looking into it. It says, on another front, a Ukrainian nonprofit funded in part by Soros was a cheerleader for the discovery of documents in Ukraine during the 2016 election that showed Paul Manafort received millions in payments from Ukraine's Russia-friendly political machine. In the Black Ledger, by the way, which has never been authenticated. The revelation led to, led to Manafort's resignation and eventual prosecution. This time... Philanthropy and politics found common ground for the Clinton backing Soros. And when Ukraine's general prosecutor sought to investigate one of the country's nonprofits partially funded by Soros during 2016, the State Department pressured Ukrainian officials to drop the case. Ladies and gentlemen, do you see what's going on here? A major liberal mega donor, George Soros, millions of dollars had business interests in Ukraine, needed his rivals taken out, donates to the Obama administration. At the same time, the Department of Justice and others start investigating and doubling down on his business rivals. While Soros as well starts to get, people start to look at him and then his group shows up on a do not prosecute list by a Ukrainian prosecutor looking into Soros's influence operation in Ukraine. Soros gets a protection racket from the U.S. State Department on his side and gets a hit squad to go after his business rivals on the other side. Trump and his team knew what was going on in Ukraine. They started asking questions. All of a sudden, a fake whistleblower and a bunch of Democrat deep state bureaucrats in the National Security Council invent a fake line of attack about Trump's quid pro quo in Ukraine, totally made up, fabricated. They used to impeach him. Why? to get him away from the Ukrainian mess. 
All of this is happening, by the way, as Biden's son has a lucrative position in Ukraine with an influential company who knows some of these people. And any mention of the owner of that company, of owner Burisma, was struck from the record. The U.S. ambassador at the time, Jeffrey Pyatt, was told not to talk about the owner of Burisma after Hunter Biden got hired on this Ukrainian natural gas company, Burisma. So there are three things going on here to sum this up. Now you'll see why I'll get to this free beacon story in a minute. Soros is pumping a bunch of money into this campaign because God forbid this all comes out. There are three things going on. Number one, the Biden family's getting rich in Ukraine. They don't want anybody to know about it. Trump sniffs it out. Number two, Soros is getting a protection racket. Do not prosecute my open societies, foundation link groups, and where my money's going. Three, DOJ and other ones. Yeah, you know, if I uh, check this out, you guys may even want to look at this guy, Fertash, who just conveniently happens to be a rival to George Soros. Those three things are going on. A targeting operation, a protection racket, and a financial, basically, RICO scheme here where the Biden family's getting rich and maybe kicking up money to, quote, pop. Biden himself. Now you see why when Trump started sniffing around in Ukraine, all these fake whistleblowers appeared out of nowhere. Alarm bells started going off everywhere. Now look at this. The Washington Free Beacon story. (coughs) Excuse me. This will be in the show notes too. Soros triples election spending, pouring $70 million into 2020 efforts. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, why do you think... George Soros, listen, I don't care how much money you have. $70 million is a lot of money. Why is George Soros and his operation in such a panic? And why is the left in such a panic every time you mention Soros? Which, Soros, which by the way, every time you do, I mention him twice more. Every time the, the media doesn't matter, people at Media Matters, every time they say, oh my gosh. This is anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic. That, that is, uh, you, you have, you disgust me with your filth. Anti-Semitic, coming from the anti-Semitic left, which hates Israel. This has absolutely nothing whatsoever. I, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know uh, George Soros's religion until these kooks at these left-leaning groups decided to try to distract us with their, this is anti-Semitic. That's why they're doing this. We will double down precisely because I know the left is terrified. They always go to these, you're a racist, you're an anti-Semitic. Whenever you're over the target, they go to that because they think it'll scare you. They know it has nothing to do with that. They're just making it up. What does it have to do with? Hiding his protection racket, Soros, his targeting racket of his business rivals, and the fact that the Biden team was profiting handsomely from all of this and their protection of the protection racket. That's what's really going on. Hey, one piece of good news. I'll leave you with this. I know Paula didn't think I get through. There's a red state story. I had it in the show notes this week. It is a Friday. I don't like to leave you in a bad note. Here's a piece of good news about polling. I'll zip through this fast. Red state. Here are the metrics that show Trump has a lock in the election. I wouldn't say it's a lock. I think it's a toss up. I really do. I think it's 50-50. I'm trying to stay out of the predictions game because it does no good. Just vote. Just go out and vote and take 10 people with you. It's as simple as that. Game time's over. But some good news to warm your heart a little bit, and I will have an election special coming up next week. I'm going to have a pollster on uh, to specifically talk about this. Zogby has President Trump's approval at 51%. No president has lost with an approval rating over 50%. Very good news. 
Another one, point two. 56% of Americans gauge that they're better off now than they were uh, four years ago. With lower numbers than that, fewer people thought they were better off. The president was reelected in uh, 2012, 2004, 1992, and 1984 with lower numbers than that. Trump is above that number. Third, any president with 75% of the primary vote in his own party has typically been reelected. Trump had 94%. One final point, the voter enthusiasm gap. How enthusiastic are you about your candidate? Trump has a 20-point edge. I only tell you that, ladies and gentlemen, right off the polls. It's game time now. Just show up and vote. We can win this. We can win it handily. But now's the time for action. Talk time is over, as you well know. Hey, thanks again for all your support this week. And again, for all of your cards and emails and Facebook messages and parlor messages and Twitter messages. Um, I'm really touched. I promise you I'll be okay. My wife and I will be okay. She's really strong. She's suffering too with this. As many of you know who are dealing with um, conditions like this, many of you have these obstacles in your own life. It typically becomes a family problem, not just yours. Um, so pray for her as well. I appreciate all your prayers for me, but I will be okay. I promise you. Um, life has been good. This is uh, treatment options are are great, and I think things will be great. We're not going to make it the focus of my show in the future. There's no need to do that. So thank you all. I really appreciate it. I will see you all on Monday. Good day, sir. You just heard Dan Bongino.